Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. With me, Russell Guyver, and with him over there... Oh, man. <laughs> Peter, Peter Marsh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah, in case you forgot. It is you, yes, yes. Oh, well, yeah, no, how could I forget? Um, on this podcast um, about the... Um, well, it's basically the beautiful podcast about the beautiful team within the beautiful game, isn't it, Peter? Something along those lines. Well, man, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> um, there was two beautiful teams. Let's put it that way, shall we? Yes, we've just come off the back of a 4-1 defeat. I'm not going to say mauling because I think the four was a little flattering, but um, a heavy defeat, shall we say. Chris, yeah, I, I would say the other way around it and somewhat some given the first half. But yeah, we can we can come on to that. I thought yeah, three goals, but the they, they were well half. worth three goal difference, to be honest, even with the way we yeah. played second half. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. A little bit of a difference of opinion on that one. However, the way the first half was going, I thought it was going to be an all-out more. Yeah, I had, I I had visions of a, of a Southampton equivalent from the last couple of seasons. That was... Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. I mean, when we get into more detail, we can discuss like the tactics and that sort of thing. But I think Potter got it pretty wrong on Saturday in the first half. As he yeah. has done, actually, quite a few games this season. Burnley mm, away yeah. comes to mind. You know, it's... it's that my dad and I were talking at the weekend. It's interesting. We've changed for the last couple of years. We played generally played quite well in the first half, and then the other teams changed it in the second half, and we couldn't react. This year, we've actually had to change things quite a lot at half time, and not done too well. Burnley, Palace, and 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 uh, City are all kind of examples of that. And yet, and then and got away with it until City. Obviously, I mean, Burnley, we could have been two or three down. Um, Palace, we could have if they'd really had a bit more cutting edge, been more down. But then. Obviously, we should have got in nil-nil that shark, Um, hmm. you know, and then we've got away with it, and then come out better second half. But in this occasion, it was the damage was done because Man City have some decent players. Yeah, it's um, a four-one defeat in the end, as as we said uh, for the away side. Um, it's the um, well, four games in a row where we haven't won. We've had three draws now, defeat. This one probably the least surprising of all results, I would I would imagine. Um, overall, um, the goals coming from Gundogan, a brace from Foden, and then a final goal after we'd pulled one back through McAllister's penalty from Mares. Um, assists for them 
Bernardo Silva, Grealish, Gabriel Jesus and Foden uh, as well, who himself had a chance at a hat-trick. Um, but anyway, he set up that last one. So, I mean, yeah, just getting into the details of the game then, Peter. I mean, first of all, in terms of the um, the lineup, were there any surprises in there? We didn't have Basuma again, yeah. um, although he was, again, sort of one of the possibles. Um, we started with Sanchez in goal. We had Veltman, Duncan, Berners, the general centre-back three. March going on to the right side this time. Kukureya still in at the left. And then we had that midfield of Grosh, Lalana and Mordo again, um, with Trossard and Morpé further forward. Yeah. Um, what did you make of that? So I've got, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really quite so much the, the, the starting eleven, more the tactics that I would question, um, you yeah. know, how far at the pitch we played and that sort of thing. But I, I do wonder why, what's going on. And I know I've, I've seen various explanations people put together of wanting to keep Basuma involved. But to me, if he's available and he's available to play on the bench, he should be starting. And if his mind's not right, he shouldn't be on the bench. It seems... If, he, if his mind or he's still injured or whatever, he shouldn't be on the bench. And if it's and if he's is available and is ready to play, he should start because we've missed him so much these last four games. Yeah, I mean, I disagree with you a bit on that one because I do think if well, it really depends on what exactly is going on. But if Basuma is, should we say his mind's not quite right on it? But the, the manager, well, the coach, I should say, Graham Potter, um, deems that it would be in his best interests, either from a mental health point of view or a general motivational point of view, uh, either for him or for the other players, to have him in there, given that we could do get quite a long list of subs that we're allowed to use now, I personally think I would keep him involved if if that is seen as the best bet. I mean, he obviously knows the player personally and we don't, so it's hard for us to say, but if that would genuinely benefit him, in Graham Potter's opinion, then I think I would do, I would have him on the bench regardless. It is frustrating, though, isn't it, as a fan? You're watching him, he's on the bench. You can see when we need a player like him on the pitch and he's not coming on, whether it's something yeah. to do with what we've you know, discussed before, whether it's um, still lingering niggles to do with the injury or whether it's, um, as you said, just something else. I mean, you know, he might just even be under the weather. Who knows what? But I could see the point of not having him on there if he's not, if there's no intention to play him. The other thing is, was there no intention or was or was there certain circumstances when he'd be brought on, I can't imagine that is the case, to be honest, because no, I mean, surely there, there, there were circumstances, weren't there? Yeah, if he were cutting through us at every possible attempt, whatever, <laughs> would be those circumstances. Yeah. So um, I'm pretty sure I, that I also, was the case. Yeah. Based on form, I wouldn't have played Grosh. I, I don't think he's done enough yeah. from open play recently to justify being in the first team. And I don't think his set pieces have been as good recently as well. So I, I don't think he adds anything. I'd have played McAllister over him. Um, or even Duffy had an extra defender in there against City. Um, yeah, that, that would have been a maybe pay March by the fall, which is what they did in the second half. But that would have, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't have um, started Grosh and Burn against City as well. That did worry me, and obviously it was then taken off at uh, 55, 60 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, the real problem was we basically stood on the halfway line one on one against their attackers when their pace. It's so much greater than ours, and I didn't understand it. I don't get the logic of it. We played further up the field, it looked to me like we did against Norwich, and Norwich had no pace. So, mm. I, yeah, I just found that whole thing. And Norwich tried to get in behind us even then, and did, but then weren't quick enough to get through. Why didn't we learn from that? I mean, City were just taking us apart because we insisted on going one-on-one against their attacking for the front three, who were clearly one of the best front threes. I actually think if City could have design tactics where they want to play against our first half tactics would be exactly that they literally couldn't we couldn't have played into their hands anymore play try and play them at their own game 
obviously not going to be as good. Trying like playing the ball through, trying to play it tight. Don't not kind of like get balls up quickly too much, and also play high up the pitch so they can get in behind. It, mm. it, it was illogical. I don't understand what Potter was doing, to be honest. Yeah, I can't I'm, believe I'm... that would have been something he wouldn't have done as well. It seems odd that they, if they were doing that all the time and he wasn't wanting them to, he'd have told them. Yeah, I, I feared for the worst, I must admit. You know, the goals, if anyone doesn't know, the goals, Gundogan's goal was on 13 minutes. Foden got his two on 28 and 31. So by just after the half hour mark, you know, you're 3-0 down, completely dominated in the match. And what they were doing, they were just so clinical, so quick in terms of not just the speed of passing, but the speed of movement, the speed of thought, and literally the speed when they're just making runs, counters, whatever it was. They just seemed, the transitions just seemed to be so um, so fluid and so kind of just just at ease, yeah. you know. It, it all yeah, just yeah, seemed to be is. so easy. I'd say all three goals had an element of fortune about them in the end. I mean, yeah. there was a deflection yeah. on, obviously, for a shot and... I mean, Sanchez, I, was, I think Sanchez comes under probably one of those that probably would have been given last year. I think the guy did interfere with him a bit and, you know, kind of when he was trying to catch the ball, but probably not enough under these rules these, these days. I think there was mm. some contact there, which normally, obviously, in the old days was always anyone breathes near a goalkeeper, then mm. it's, a, it, it's a foul. The second one, I think Foden kind of kicked into the ground with it. It kind of went into the top corner, could have gone almost anywhere and the third one took a deflection so you yeah. know I mean, ironically for all their slick play they all all their all three of their goals had a, yeah a little bit of an element of fortune but I mean yeah they just I mean I thought they they were probably four or five goals but must in the first half overall we were we were all over the place I mean Duncan already cleared off the line brilliantly by the time they scored and we just kept giving it away I mean I, I found it very odd that, that, the, that they gave the uh, man the match to dunk at the game because to me he was giving the ball away quite a lot in the, in the first half especially yeah I mean Second he goal, gave the ball away. Yeah. Second goal, wasn't it? Yeah, because Kukurea, I think, had um, had gone on the attack um, in one of one of the moves, hadn't he? And it was given away in the yeah. penalty area, and then they went all the way up the other end. But I think that was the third goal. I think it was the yeah. second goal. Was yeah, Dunk gave it away in a deeper position, and and that led to that goal. Um, and, he, and he did two or three more times as well. I thought he looked quite yeah. shaky, yeah. considering. I mean, like, obviously, I what, it was what they got man the match. And what they've done, of course, before the first goal, there was a magnificent clearance off yeah. the line, it has to be said, which was Lewis Dunk. So obviously that would have played into people's mindsets, I suppose, when they're looking for to, to clutch at straws as to who could be a man of the match in a 4-1 defeat. And I, mean, I, guess... I, I, I thought there were some candidates. I thought March and Cucciarella both had good games. Yeah. I, thought that, um, I thought that Sanchez actually, whether or not you're ignoring the first goal and one rather crazy kick, it would have been worse. But for him, actually, a couple on a few occasions, he, would have, he actually had a pretty yeah. good game. Um, yep. But yeah, Duncan um, and Grosh struggled, I thought. Yeah, yeah uh, all three did, all right. I think Modder, I Modder did okay, I thought. All, all three subs did well, actually. Um, Lamptey, Wepu and, and McAllister all did, came on and did pretty well. Um, yes, yeah, so I was going to get on to those, the other guys in a minute, yeah. Um, they certainly did. I mean, they were the, certainly were better. We were the better side when they were on the pitch, definitely. And I know we were chasing the game by then, and there might be an argument to say City had taken their foot off the pedal a bit, perhaps knowing that they had... Um, so much of a uh, of an advantage um, score wise, but nonetheless we did go at them, and I do think yeah. you know Pep Guardiola said in his post match interview something along the lines of um, you know we we knew that we went in at three 0 at half time, and against some teams that would mean game over, and we've just got to see it out and manage the game. But against Brighton, he knew that it wouldn't just be a case of that that they were going to come at us. Um, his words, you know, and um, 
and it wouldn't be as easy as that. Yeah, he's, he's obviously valuing our, our quality. He does rate us as a team, doesn't he? And he rates Graham Potter as a manager. I mean, some people have accused him of being a bit patronising with some of his tones. Whether that is the case or not, I don't know. But I, I know he does, def, does definitely rate, rate us. And he said that to the players at half-time and, you know, be ready for an onslaught. And we did pretty much dominate the second half when all said and done. Yeah. Apart from the last five to ten minutes, wasn't yeah. it? Which the, the last the, five minutes or so, we very glad we didn't score until the 81st minute because it kind of woke City up, didn't it, really? Mm, <laughs> Rather than giving like, yeah. us a chance to push back, they basically barely gave us a ball after that. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, that, that's right, because there was exactly 50 minutes between Foden's second goal, which made it 3-0, and McAllister converting the penalty, which made it 3-1, uh, which came from one of those subs you mentioned, and Wepu, who I thought, as you said, had a good impact on the game, looked a lot less at sea, didn't he, against this yeah. world-class team than he did when he came on in a previous match recently. Well, I think, I think yeah. crucially further Isn't forward as Leicester? well. I think, yeah, Leicester, Leicester mm. came on and Burnley started and struggled. Mm. Although, yeah. to be fair, in that first half, everyone struggled and he was the yeah. one sacrificed at yeah. half-time. But ironically, so, he played better in this one, didn't he? I and mean, he won the penalty. Yeah. I think yeah, the key was he, he played further forward, which is where he plays. Yeah, We exactly. do think he's collecting yeah. an awful lot of attacking midfielders. Mm. We don't actually really... Because, I mean, I rather thought Moda would be the replacement for assuming when he was out, but actually he's even he's happier further forward. So we don't really yeah. have a replacement for Bissouma. Yeah, we've been playing Lalana deeper and that so, hasn't yeah. really worked. Um Casado's on loan. Um as you said, Muepa likes to get further forward. And um I, I, I guess Casado is probably the, the future custodian yeah. unless any of our existing youth players come through as well. Like, I don't know if I don't know if someone like Weir or um or hmm. Um, or Jenks yeah, further back if we're and Jenks, as well. Weir and Jenks can definitely both play yeah. there. And the other possible option is, um, uh, is uh, well, what happened to Tudor Baluta, actually. Raymond, the gent I spoke to on the phone today, and he was uh, he mentioned him. And I have to admit, i kind of forgotten about him, sort of. And he is he is a conventional centre, yeah. central defensive midfielder. So, um, But he's probably a long way away from the squad, I would guess. He's got an injury he's at injured, the moment. Or, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would imagine, yeah, that there's a possible case for one of the youth guys coming in, as you said, Jenks or um, somebody like that, or even Hayden Roberts could play slightly further forward than his other position and, and go into a central defensive midfield role as well. Yeah, yeah. Good to see the cat actions back, Peter, just strolling into view on the far side there. Who yeah, have we got he, there? He's obviously, a, he's obviously a big Newcastle fan being black and white. Is that Sydney? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get on to talking about Sydney's team later on. Um, I'm sure there's time for more ranting on that subject. Um, and also the uh, certain banner that uh, appeared. Um, controversial, but not in the way that the Ipswich Town banner was when it turned up at uh, the Amex. Um, I'm not sure that was controversial, more, more just like <laughs> moronic, I think. probably. <laughs> yeah, that might be a fairer assessment. But yeah, getting back on tra- track on this game then. So yeah, the 4-1, we've mentioned the, the scorers. The goals ind- individually, I mean... As you said, um, we've, we'd had that brilliant clearance off the line from Dunk. We had the second one, which at the time I was fuming about because, um, sorry, the first goal rather, um, because I thought it was, was that the one with the foul on Sanchez? It was. Yeah, the it? first, it looked yeah. like that could be a foul on Sanchez and it also looked like it could be offside apparently as well. Yeah. Which I, I, I didn't I thought, the angle for that. I thought it was offside. In fact, I was spitting feathers about it. And with, there isn't a definitive angle, angle showed on the highlights that I've seen. I did record the full live thing, but I haven't had a chance to look back on that yet. So I don't know if they, they showed it from the proper angle. It may have been just onside now, having seen it. But I must admit, I was pretty much in line with that. And I was adamant it was offside well before it became more of a threat and eventually ended in a goal. So I was more annoyed about that. The foul... Um, I think it, it, it's very similar to the thing with Morpay with the Norwich game. Um, in the, as much as what, you, what you've already said, which is that I think last season 
those could get overturned or they could be given in the first place more readily. Mm. Um, I don't think it's clear and obvious enough under the current remit from the referees, from what I understand, for them to overturn it. If yeah. I look at it, I think, is, is that a foul on Sanchez? I think you can argue it is because um, Gabriel's Jesus, isn't it, that, that's kind of jumping. Yeah. I think he's leaning back. Him catching his elbow on Jesus' shoulder or something like that, or he's on some part of him. And yeah. it's, it definitely impedes him, but yeah, yeah I mean, to me... To me, that's a foul because it's always been a foul, but they do seem to have changed the rules. Yeah, I agree. So. In my 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 be- my genuine hunch is to say that's a foul because he's moving backwards, albeit not by much, but he is moving back into the into the goalkeeper. And there's another player near him who he's fully well aware is there that could benefit from that movement. So I, I and he is impeding him as you said, not by an enormous amount, not not some glaring issue. But, which is but why normally keepers are not going to give away than other players, aren't mm. they? And I, yeah. I, in, in all honesty, if we score that goal, I'm pretty confident Kevin Friend just allows it. He yeah. was that dreadful on Saturday. And I don't, I'm not going to sit here and blame yeah. him for the result. I don't think we lost because of Kevin Friend, but he was absolutely dreadful, culminating in a decision where inexplicably he gave us a throw in when it was so clearly a corner that the whole ground would have, would have seen yeah. it. And, and this was at 3 1, I think, when we were still yeah. in the ascendancy. And we, we had a lot of attacks, a lot of corners, and kind of general pressure play. And we, are going to be a threat from corners, um, really, against a side like City. That's where well, we haven't been, really, recently. No, but in theory, it's where yeah. we have the chance to hurt them. We've got big men in there that could be a threat, probably against City more than other clubs, actually. And maybe that's part of the reason. And, you know, we, we were denied one opportunity there to put some more pressure on. Um, how it was given as a throw, I have no idea. It, it was very clearly over the line by a... Distance. A margin of, yeah, I mean, we're talking a good couple of yards over the line um, before it reached the corner flag. It was in the air, but it wasn't ridiculously high that it's hard to judge. Um, and, you know, I think the the Lino did flag for that, didn't he? And then the ref overruled it, was it? Or did he not get it I didn't it see what the Lino did. He was, so, he was the wrong half, wasn't he? So he might not yeah. have been able to see it. I mean, you I've know, only just He may have waited for the referee who thinking the referee would make the right decision. It must be one yeah. of those, though, with Kevin Friend. He must, I mean, obviously a red card, you're going to get abuse anyway. But to get that much abuse as he got from the crowd for giving a throw-in mm. rather than a corner, he probably yeah. must have realised pretty quickly that he got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I have to say, in fact, on the, on the subject of abuse of the referee, two things to mention. We had an interesting Seagulls Over London meeting in midweek on Zoom, uh, a members meeting, where we had a guy called Stuart Carrington, who's... Um, I think studying as a PhD, but he's already written a book on refereeing psychology um, called Blowing the Whistle, I think, wasn't it? There's a subtitle to it as well, but Blowing the Whistle is the main name of it. And it's really interesting, actually, about how pressure is put on referees, um, how they are actually significantly better than lower down refs in terms of the amount of pressure they're having to cope with and all that sort of stuff. Um, and how about how you get different um, decision making does is affected by um, home games, away games, that kind of thing. How much time is added on can be affected uh, can, by whether it's home or away and whether it's a vociferous crowd or not. There's lots of interesting elements to it. I guess the thing to say is to recommend the book because I think it's uh, probably worth a read. But that was that was interesting because I do think, um, you know, the whole thing about just registering a complaint before you actually genuinely mean one. Um, in other words, you get in the ref's ear you say, come on, ref, that was a foul when you don't really believe it was, but you want it already on the record. So when you do want to call one genuinely, you've got more sway and all of those psychological tricks and elements yeah. that go on. There are some players do... who are very, very good at that, aren't they? And managers, yeah. obviously, as well. Yeah. It does, it does give you a little bit more sympathy for refs. Um, however, I did lose my voice 
predominantly because of the amount of abuse I was hurling at Kevin Friend on Saturday. I, mean, I really lost how my shit. How he didn't put that Edison for, in the build-up to the penalty. You know, A, he yeah. takes out Mepu, so you could argue in some players would have got booked for that anyway. But then he, yeah. t- he takes ages getting ready and sorting himself out yeah. and pissing around. So he did get booked for time-wasting later. And then, and then he, yeah, then he time-wasted loads more after the goal for like about a minute or so. And then only eventually, when he's about to kick it, did, the guy, did he actually book him. And that wasted mm. more time. Yeah, exactly. Which ironically, City then went and scored in injury time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so joy. I played for the fourth goal. Hmm. <laughs> 100%. If, he, if he'd stopped the time wasting early, there wouldn't have been that injury time to add on. Yeah, exactly, Peter. Nothing I to mean, do with Moda's terrible pass or our lack of defending. <laughs> yes, because of course that was it. We've we mentioned Duncan Cucurella had given the ball away and Moda gave the, gave the ball away for that final goal. Um, overcooked it. It's a ball back to sort of centre defensive position. Put too much on it. It was stretching for it. Couldn't get to it. And Foden, wasn't it? They got the ball off uh, mm. and then laid it sideways to Mares, who was one of their subs. Uh, to score, or did it go through the burner? I can't remember now. Uh, no, it must, yeah, must it have been, been someone else originally, and then Foden. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, yeah, that must have been it. Yeah, um, I'm trying but, to forget about it mainly. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Kevin Friend, I agree with you. A, he was atrocious, and B, it wouldn't have affected the result. But nonetheless, yeah. I think both from a footballer point of view and from a football fan point of view, I find this intensely frustrating. You're playing the world's best team, or one of the two world's best teams. Um, that we're playing on successive weekends um, in this current season. And you've, you're up against it. They're on top form. You've got virtually no chance of getting a result when they're on top form, when they're playing that well, particularly when you've got a couple of key players out like Basuma and Webster and Lamptey obviously coming only off well, the bench. Man. And Welbeck as well. So you've got, we're, we're a weakened team. Yeah, they might have a couple of players out, but that doesn't matter to and them. Much, other than De Bruyne, I thought actually they pretty much had their strongest hmm. team out. Yeah. So you're I dealing... regard as their, what this season yeah. I regard as their I'd, team. I'd go along with that. And you're dealing with that, and then you're getting every decision, all of the general play decisions, you could call them, by, yeah. from the referee, and the smaller decisions given against you. Psychologically, that is very wearing. It's very tiring. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Especially so second only... half as well. We were trying to build momentum. And every yeah. time it went up to them, they went down and he'd give a free kick. And it's like, yeah. clearly, it was like three or four occasions, it was like clearly won the ball. Um, yeah, 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 and that's just poor refereeing. And I know, I know, we can get on at refs, and it is a hard job and everything else. But that was poor refereeing. Everybody on all sides of the pitch could see that was the case. He was giving terrible decisions. And yes, okay, sometimes you can get one or two things wrong. Your view may not be the best view. Um, any individual trying to criticise the ref would have that issue but you know everybody from all sides are saying no that was a terrible decision we already know he's terrible he's not i wouldn't yeah, say he's normally more, more, normally more normally terrible all round rather than terrible around, yeah exactly yeah it's a good thing so, we've so not got him involved in any of our games for ages isn't it really yeah <laughs> such as for example var this very saturday for example <laughs> yes imagine if that was the case great that, that would be a yes, disaster we've got him. but at least he's um, there with a competent referee you know yeah mike dean yes wonderful perfect <laughs> Dare, I, dare I stick Kavanaugh. my neck out and say Mike Dean is actually one of the better Premier League referees in the games we've had. Obviously, yeah. you always remember him for that terrible decision at Middlesbrough. But yeah. actually, in the Premier League games we've had, he's not really done yeah. too to be, much. To be fair, yeah. He's, he's, he, he's, he's not great, he's not but he's not as bad as some of them. Yeah, he's certainly better. And and we've got Chris Kavanagh, of course, as the fourth assistant, uh, fourth, whatever it is, fourth official, which obviously is less of an impact on the game. But um, nonetheless, he's, of course, the Millwall referee from the FA Cup quarterfinal, which was another dreadful refereeing performance. Yeah, I think and I was saying course, on the Theo London group earlier, that was probably one of the worst refereeing performances I've ever seen. 
including yeah. missing a, what was a, a massively blatant rugby tackle on Glenn Murray off the ball in the penalty area. <laughs> oh, incredible. Uh, and what was the other game that he ref, which was dreadful? Um, it's gone out of my head now. I can't remember what it was. It was another one where... Shot, oh, the Man U, Man U game last season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, which was... So, we, the, I, so if we're ahead, if we're doing okay in, in, in injury time, we'll just carry on playing until Liverpool get a goal. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, to be honest, I don't think Liverpool need much help to beat us, frankly, no, but given no. the way they're but, playing. But, but it is yeah, frustrating. You know, the referee might be half unbiased or whatever. Generally. I mean, it's so exhausting to have, have that going against you as well. And what's more on top of that, of course, you, if, particularly if the game is closer, um, the players are going to get all the more frustrated and it could cost us personnel in future games due to... Well, the got looking for dissent, didn't he? For yeah. When, uh, when he, again, one of the ones he clearly got the ball in and he... I mean, he's not yeah. that sort of player as well. He's not the sort of player to show dissent particularly. You know, he's no. not someone... But yeah, you could see the frustration on, on his face when he won the ball clearly. And yet again, buddy, friend whistles for a free kick. Yeah. I mean, a quick word. We talk about men of the match. And I, I mean, I, I'm not sure if I really want to give one for this game as far as Albion go, because I don't really know if there's anybody I would say stood out particularly. But I do think, as you said, that all the subs did well, McAllister, Muetho and uh, Tarek Lamptey. Lamptey in particular was sensational yeah, in, in phases, was. wasn't he? So much better than the Norwich game um, he's, yeah. in terms of you know, his, his fitness and sharpness coming in. Um, I mean, there was one, one thing which has gone around on social media where he, he wriggled like a fish one way than the other, twisted and turned. Eventually, he cut back at an unfeasible angle and then got in between two players and then sort of sliced it sideways, got in between the two players without being fouled, got down to the byline and got across in. Absolutely sensational, wasn't it? And, well, you know, you could show that forevermore. Sure, sure you've got to mention who one of the players was as well. I mean, that feels like you, you're missing out part of the story there. Go on, tell the listeners, Peter, because <coughs> I'm coughing. Fa- well, that was the, uh, the favourites of the show. Our friend, Mr. Uh, Jack Grealish, was one of the ones destroyed. And Lamptey got in front of him a couple of occasions as well when he was, the ball was passed to him by a, by a City player. And Lamptey got in, beat him for pace and got in front of him and beat him to the ball. Yeah. So much so he got dragged off in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> Although he got an assist earlier in the game, I don't think he was that great, really, Grealish. I no. think he was... Uh, he was very muted, um, and he didn't score against us, which made a change, I suppose, didn't it? Um, yeah, he normally does. Though, to be fair, last time he didn't. He was in Veltman's pocket most of the game, wasn't he? He was like, yeah, that's he, true. You know, a little draw. He, he basically enjoyed did. that. I think we had about twenty odd shots to about three that game, didn't we? And Martinez basically kept them in it. Yeah, really. we'll we'll talk about um, the Liverpool game, and we're doing a preview of the uh, the women's FA Cup semi final this weekend. On a separate episode, we will preview the Leicester game, which is going on. It's tomorrow night, isn't it? Wednesday night, yeah. as we speak. Um, uh, we'll Wednesday preview- night, whenever it is, whether we speak now or not. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. A, a few people we know are going to the game. Neither of us are going, I don't think, are we? No. Um, but um, that's going to be interesting. We'll preview that during this episode. Um, but before we do, I mean, in terms of Lamptey, obviously he's gaining match sharpness. He's, he's improving. We've got a really important game against Liverpool at the weekend. Important A... First of all, not to get thrashed if we can help it, which a certain other team did, uh, did get at the weekend. To our benefit in terms of league table positions, Man United, 5-0 home defeat. I think their heaviest home defeat uh, by that scoreline in terms of five gold margins. They've never lost 5-0 at home, I don't think. I think they lost 6-1 at home to somebody. Was it City? Or was that a win? Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they've, they've never lost by that margin at home to Liverpool. They're arch rivals. Um, and they were in a total mess, which suited us because we're not going to catch Liverpool, but we might be able to stay ahead of Man U, at least for now. However, it doesn't... we're not playing them until December. 
Yeah, exactly. It doesn't help that we're playing Liverpool away next, but Manu have got Spurs away, so that might be fiddly. I guess one of those teams is going to overtake us, aren't they, unless we get an amazing result on Saturday. But um, in terms of Lamptey, I mean, he, how do you see his, uh, Graham Potter's going to play this in terms of the Leicester game and the Liverpool game? Because yeah, I'd love to see It's a tough a one, isn't it? Because hmm. my, my, I mean, I, I regard... Part of me regards tomorrow as a bigger game than Liverpool in a way. I mean, I don't see any way we'll get results at the weekend. We want to just avoid getting thrashed. Whereas we're not going to often get a chance to get to a quarterfinal of a League Cup. Um, or, the sorry, the Caribou Cup. <laughs> um, yeah, League Cup. <laughs> the Caribou, Little Woods, Rumbelows, Carling, sponsored by Coca-Cola Cup. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, the corporately compromised cup. Yeah. My... my Thinking is also I want I want him to start against Newcastle. That's the key. And so to, yeah. to me, he needs to do everything he can to start against Newcastle. Now I would say that's probably starting him tomorrow, giving him a half, mm. see how he does, giving him an hour if it's if he's doing okay, and give him a forty-five, take him up at half time if he doesn't. If it, if if he can make Liverpool for half an hour at the end like he did against against City, great, build up his fitness, that sort of thing. With the yeah. idea of starting against Newcastle because based on the fact that I think we'll lose Liverpool. Um, will be then be five league games without a win, which makes Newcastle a big game, not in terms of relegation six-pointer or anything like that, which has been in the past at the moment, but in terms of building on and keeping our momentum that we've lost a bit mm-hmm. over the last month. You know, because since Basuma's been out, we haven't won, and I think we've yeah. lost, you know, lost, having had four wins in the first five, we just lost our way a little bit. And, you know, because while I didn't think we beat Liverpool or City, we will probably hope to have beaten one of Arsenal, Palace and Norwich at least. So... Yeah. So Newcastle home will then suddenly become quite a big game, especially if we lose to Leicester as well. Um, and and I would really like Lamptey fit because the last time Lamptey played against Newcastle, he absolutely destroyed them. And uh, mm. uh, yeah, I mean their defence yeah, is pretty cool, do the same. Yeah, I think just purely for, for what he did in that one moment we've explained, would probably make man of the match from the City game for me. I think just because that just really got the crowd yeah, back yeah. on, and you know, it really gave us a lift. When uh, you know, it's tough to take, but it's it's easy to expect to happen the, the city scenario um, being so heavily beaten and um, it really helped to have him focus up a bit um in terms of man of the match overall I mean I'd probably have to give it to Foden I mean or Bernardo Silva I think those two were absolutely sensational mm-hmm. some other very good performances I think Gundogan's a player who almost gets underrated slightly by the fact that other players sort of shine above him um I thought he was he was superb some other great performances in their team. Pep Guardiola said that he believes that um, Foden can get better after, um, you know, after this performance. And they good grief, really? Can we not play them again then, please? <laughs> can think, he just sort of be missing that week? It's all, it's all, I mean, it's all really, you know, I'm sure City fans love watching their, their team and, you know, kind of still some of them. But you do think, well, after a while, when you just bought your way to this, and I know obviously Foden was brought through their youth system, the same if Newcastle carried on winning things. You know, you know, the number of City supporters who turned up at Wembley when we played them in the semi-final of the FA Cup compared to, to us, you know, it was a big day out for us. But for them, it's like, oh, another day at Wembley, another day doing this, yeah. another day doing that. And it, it must just get a bit boring because, you you know, at least, I mean, I'm not not one to defend Man United, but at least they, in the 90s, they they base their team mainly. I know they spend quite a bit of money as well, but their team yeah. is based on six, five or six youth team players they brought through and, had, you know, developed. And players like Keane and Schmeichel, who they actually bought quite cheap and developed as well. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they had the expensive clients like Cole and that sort of thing. Cities is basically barely an English player in sight, let alone a, yeah. a Manchester player. It's only Foden, really. Um, mm. Yeah, and it's, to me, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I actually would rather watch Albion doing what we do 
than than what Man City or potentially Newcastle in the future throwing money at like hundred million pound players and yeah it's just I mean just kind of pointless I mean yeah it's great for a while and they you know their fans are gloating about the fact they yeah they win things and I'm sure I'd be accused of being jealous and that sort of thing in the situation but I'm really not if I was jealous I've, I was born in North London I would have supported one of Arsenal or Tottenham if I really wanted was bothered about putting my team to win things you know. Hmm. Who were dominating at the Arsenal were dominating. Yeah, Arsenal at the time, were one of the dominant yeah. teams at the time, and I'd have, I'd have seen Arsenal yeah. win a lot of cups and tournaments if I'd been if I'd wanted. But it'd to be well. empty if you don't feel it. You don't feel it. So yeah, it's been an empty experience. I wonder how many Man City fans feel that. I know some, there's, there must there's be certainly a lot. Feel like yeah, hark back to the days when they you know were in the Championship and that sort of thing, or when mid-table yeah. each year and a, a cup win would be a huge thing, or a day at Wembley would be a big day out rather than just a. Oh, another big day! Oh, how boring! Sort yeah, of I think those those ones are grounded. There are, I mean, there's a whole new breed of city fans though who have tagged along either yeah. from whatever age they are, have tagged along, and certainly a younger generation who who felt the need to kind of just pick a team at random. It's you know like just it's not FIFA, just pick pick whoever. You're given to the Man U fans of the '90s and the Liverpool fans yeah. of the '80s who yeah, who, yeah. definitely that's definitely prevalent. We're, we're both living in London. Certainly, from my experience in London, I've noticed a lot more people and people I've chatted to and. and dealt with through work there's definitely a, a I wouldn't call it plastic but there's a, 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 um, a new a new wave of City fans who um, don't have any historical connections to the club um, I say they're not plastic in terms of they are going to games one or two of the people I've chatted to which they is quite a lot of effort to go to go, but it is plastic games, in the sense that yeah if you, there's no, no there's no scenario and you choose yeah. to start supporting them when they get successful that is still yeah. plastic even yeah. if you go to my mind to my mind as well, I think you've got to either have a historical connection, dad or granddad or whatever, or, or mum or somebody who supported them, yeah. or you're from that area originally, yeah. uh, or, or both, uh, or you've moved to that area without having an, a, a prior affiliation, yeah. uh, which is fair enough as well. If you didn't get into football heavily enough until you moved to a different area and then got into the local team there, then that's fair enough. There, there might be some other quirky reason that you could you could accept as well but people that have just kind of born and brought up in London and thought oh City are a good team appreciating football in yeah. general and then just tagging on to City yeah, whether you go to games know, or not I still yeah. regard that as a plastic plastic supporter because yeah. they've basically started to support a team when they're doing well yeah. I mean I doubt they people were are... City in the days when they were winning the, the, the League One playoff final in the last minute and that yeah. sort of thing the people I've chatted to um, who are in that description I've just, just come up with there um, you know they're perfectly reasonable people to talk to in general like nice people but in terms of the football I just find it an empty hollow experience talking to them because they've got no real yeah. there's no real essence no history kind of, you know yeah. City actually have a really interesting history and I've done you know and actually yeah. a lot more interesting than some of the clubs that yeah. the bigger clubs like you know like Arsenal who've never really you know had any pro- you know yeah. obviously did go down right. end up in what is now League One and that sort of thing a bit up and down a bit over the years that to me is a proper club it's not about being Arsenal never relegated mm-hmm. and you know. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Anyone, anyone who's um, a genuine City fan, whatever you want to call that, fair enough and fair play. There's still the majority of them out there still, aren't they, in terms of match day attenders. But I do think whether or not those are the people involved at the weekend, but there, there's a couple of things that irritated me from the weekend, actually, that helped wind me up along with Kevin's bloody friend was um, uh, and a couple of mistakes from us. was um, there's, The only time I heard City singing during the second half was for them to, the one time we weren't singing, as far as uh, around where I was anyway, was um, them singing, your support is effing, effing shit. And you think, well, okay, well, that's all we've heard all half. And then we completely outsung you for the rest of the half anyway. Um, irritates me that. <laughs> um, apart from being massively inaccurate, it's just, 
kind of fits into that whole gloaty element. Um, yeah. There was also an incident that happened after the game, which um, by all accounts, somebody we know has, has, has mentioned it on one of the, the websites saying apparently there was an altercation, a verbal altercation um, in the area where the stairs are between the entrance to the north stand and one of the west stand upper entrances and then you can go up to the other west stand entrances that set of stairs there somewhere around there there was a verbal altercation between sets of fans um ending with to, to you to quote some um, what this guy said um a brighton female fan being slapped around the back of the head i mean how violently that was or not i don't know but apparently it all kind of petered out pretty quickly whether the stewards intervened or police or someone else i don't know but i mean i can only imagine if a verbal altercation has come up it's probably something gloaty it's probably i mean it's speculative i don't know but i, I can only imagine that's how it happened there's no particular history between the clubs um no. in that regard but um you know if there is any gloating going on it's unclassy boys because you know you you give us pep guardiola or even even with graham potter give us 3.5 billion or whatever the hell it is they've got to spend and the even better training facilities than we've got and uh, and the stadium that they've got and we'll, we'll batter teams as well. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, I, I don't regard what they've done as an achievement. No, it's, it's just greatness to... I have to say, I mean, United, as much as it pains me, United's wins in the 90s were an achievement because they developed those players, uh, that key parts mm. of those players of the club and brought them through the system. That was a, you know, their whole midfield came from the youth team, like, but quite, yeah. a lot of, quite a bit of defence, yeah. So that, to me, is an achievement. To just go and spend more money than anyone else because you've been taken over by people who've got no connection to the area at all, and no kind of affiliation with the area. And you've basically been gifted a stadium as well, in the same way that, that West Ham have, haven't you? I mean, it's yeah. they've not really yeah. achieved anything. It's, it, yeah. we, we, threw, we had to like spend a lot of money on our stadium. Obviously, very luckily, we had Tony Bloom, who yeah, would do it, who's a local, you know, local person who supports the club. To me, that's, yeah. that's achieving something, you know, kind of the club. Yeah. And what we went through in the 90s, what City went through in the 90s and 2000s, while nothing as bad as us, was is, is an achievement as well to fight back and to get back up the Premier League again and again after going down. That's an achievement. To win the league when you've got more money than anyone else, it's not an achievement because, yeah, as you say, anyone can do it, really. Yeah, I mean, it don't get me wrong. It can be taken over. The, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good City fans out there that wouldn't be doing that. But for anyone that is, is gloating, it's classless and it's empty. That's all I'd say. Yeah. Enjoy your victories and celebrate this, that and the other. But um, don't try and rub it in anyone's faces like us, especially when we're doing so bloody well. Uh, proportionally better, you could argue, <laughs> on, on oh, resource yeah. terms. Yeah. Well, considering they're the player who costs more than our entire stadium, <laughs> and he still got beaten by our £3.5 million left, uh, right back and made you look <laughs> an idiot. Yes. Well, moving swiftly on, I mean, what all I say on City finally is, I mean, they are a fantastic team. And it is a pleasure to be able to watch a team like that live, I have to say. Um, I'm not going to Liverpool next week. I, I didn't I decided not to in the end. I need to kind of apportion games that I go to and ones that I don't. But um, uh, in terms of that and this weekend that we've just had, you know, sensational teams to be playing against. To think that our team, especially given the history we've had, is now playing the world's best players. Yeah. Uh, two weeks in a row. That's a million miles away from like, anything we've ever dreamed of a while. Well, it's now League Two losing three to the likes of Torquay and Rochdale. And without one to <laughs> without wanting to play down anything to do with them and put, you know, put them down. Obviously, Liverpool and Man City are light, light years away from them. So, yeah. yeah, we're getting stuffed by a better quality of team these days. <laughs> exactly. Um, and speaking of which, just let me look at the, um, the stats as well from the game, incidentally, for anyone interested. I mean, the fact that we got battered score-wise, 
Um, yet we have 48% possession against Man City. Not many people get anywhere near halfway against those guys, I have to say. Um, In the we first half, had... We, had, we had about about that amount. I was stunned by that. It's like... Yeah, I know. I, I guess it was because it was so counter-attack orientated, wasn't it? Yeah. Bit, I guess. And we did take the game to them a fair bit when we could. But I mean, 10 shots, they're 23. Five shots on target, they're 14. So we did well to keep it down, actually, they're 14 shots on target. But I mean, we had five on target, which is a pretty good tally against yeah. any team, let alone Sanchez City. made some really good saves. And there was a couple of their players' feet that feet as well when he came out and kind yeah. of like had the ball at the players' feet. So I, I yeah. thought he had a decent game, barring one um, kick and the and yeah. the first goal. They had an extra booking than us, given that one was Lalana's frustration, as you said. You could argue that could should have been a three to one rather than a three to two in bookings, because um, that, well, that shows that they had a few struggles to deal with um, or time wasting that they felt the need yeah. to do. Um, also, um, we won on corners, either seven six or eight six, depending on reality or Kevin Friend vision. <laughs> so um, you know. I mean, those stats look favourable, don't they? I mean, it I think really... the frustrating thing from my side is that we didn't actually really make anything of any of those corners. Yeah, which yeah, is, we which still I haven't. Really... I'm not convinced Grosh has actually been that great this season. Actually, I know, mm. I know, we score against what was it? Watford, Duffy scored from a corner, but since then, I'm not sure we've really scored. We've not, I'm not sure we scored since then. Have we from a set piece? Not, not done to my knowledge. No, and, I, don't I, don't, so. I just don't okay. see Grosh is doing enough. My, my frustration, yeah. I think McAllister is a much better player now anyway. And if he carries yeah. on being on the bench, he might decide he wants to leave. And that's a yeah. big worry. Cause, uh, yeah, and and McAllister is more our future, isn't he, in terms of the yeah. longer term. So we don't want to lose him at all. I love, yeah. I, as you know, I love this player. I think he's great. And I'd like to see him involved more because he's, he's playing well enough to deserve it. And yeah. we could see he can knock a penalty away, even if the goal has gone the right way as well, which is a, a, definitely a handy trait. And obviously that's, again, a direct comparison with Pascal Gross, uh, another position that he also um, takes up, oh, sorry, another um, role he takes up. Um, so uh, obviously he'd, he'd come on for Grosh in this game, so there wasn't a choice. But in terms of, you know, it's good to know there's someone else that can take penalties other than Morphe and, and Grosh. So that's another reason to have him in the team. But I think overall he's just got a bit more pace. I think we could do with that against Liverpool. I think he yeah. might start against Leicester, but we could do with him certainly against Liverpool. And I was expecting involvement in both games. I would like him to start against the Reds, actually, in that match. Um, so I, but I'm not sure. My, my, my yeah. issue is you can't drop Lalana, and Lalana and Grosh together mm. in the middle are too slow between them. Yeah. So yeah. Grosh has to go. Lalana's been brilliant the last few games. I think even, even in games being performed that great, I think he's, barring Palace, where he's a bit lost in the first half because he and Grosh are the only two central midfielders and they can't do that. But I thought he had a really... Actually, he is. He was on the other ones who had a decent game. Beltman as well. He got a couple of times in the first half, it was him at like 35. He was getting back and, and yeah. tackling in midfield when they broke away. Can I, yeah. can I, I don't, I've felt so nervous about a team breaking away from the edge of, our, of their own area since that Liverpool 5-1 we had at the Amex. Um, yeah, they were just... Even, even if they nicked it from a corner... They already had two or three players legging it out. Yeah, yeah I mean, maybe... I don't see anything like it. I mean, it's got to be just about... Just pull people back whatever at that stage and just taking the booking, I don't know, but... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, tactical fouling as City themselves yeah. do. Which, of um, course, City I mean, very, yeah, exactly. Fernandinho, um, yeah. he's obviously well, only, only played a bit of a short time, but he's well known for that, isn't he? It's like regarding... Yeah. Speciality, but yeah, I mean, I mean it, was, also, it was something else. This team wasn't it? I mean, that, that's got to be just about the best team performance we had to yeah. come up against. Um, uh, along yeah. with one or two of the others, it, it would have been team, nice to play them with tactics that weren't literally falling into their hands, though. And yes, and I, I, was I think we probably would have lost in, with them with the form they're in. But if we played it tight and we kept played a bit, not like right on our own six yard box, but played it a bit deeper 
and not let them one-on-one against our rather slow, frankly, defence. Yeah. And, and I really think we I mean, miss Webster here, because there's a discussion on one of the WhatsApp groups about White and how much we're missing him, and I can definitely see how that, you know, see that as a, I can see the point there. Especially, actually, ironically, he'd be probably be playing central midfield at the moment, ironically, because Bissoum was out. Um, but I also think we're missing Webster, who is has got pace to him, and also he's a bit quality on the ball is better than pretty much any of our centre-halves as well we've got currently, maybe Veltman excluded. Yeah, so I think we do miss... Well, you know, we could potentially miss White as well. Think obviously, fifty million pound player you're going to miss. But I think Webster is a massive loss, and hopefully, it sounds like he's available for Leicester. So even if he misses Newcastle, Liverpool, he might be available for Newcastle at least, which is a, the I'd say, a bigger game, yeah. frankly, given a more winnable one. Well, tactical naivety. I mean, it, it could have been worse. We could have been doing what Oli Gunnar was doing for Man United against Liverpool, and I'm sure we were going to speak to John Gibbons from the Anfield Wrap today. And um, unfortunately, his car's broken down on route home so he, he wasn't able to get back in time to record his segment which was going to be for another podcast uh, later in the week we are still hoping to have that segment on that podcast by recording it with him later in the week but uh, we'll scared. see what it, yeah we have <laughs> maybe not um <laughs> but i'll be interested to get his take on the game i'm sure he was at the match and um uh, being just up the road isn't it from uh, I imagine from he's Memphis. still quite pleased he might be, might be, he might be slightly pleased that they've thrashed their arch rivals and ultimately humiliated them on a grand scale. On their own, that on could their have been 10-0 well. Yeah. I mean, talking about, well. yeah, I mean, talking about teams taking their foot off the pedal of the City, I mean, Liverpool, where I think they went from third gear down to first gear, really, in the second half. If they wanted to, they could have crushed them like you would never believe. Yeah, I guess it's about they played in reverse at the weekend then. Yeah, <laughs> it's about preserving. It's about preserving the team for the big one on Saturday, of course, the, the real big one, isn't it, Peter? Yeah, for, the, for those guys. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to hear his thoughts on that. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactics were ultimately very naive. Somehow he decided to start pressing against the team you are least advised to do that against when it's never worked and it's not their game. And it wasn't the only thing they did wrong, but, you know, they, they fell completely into Liverpool's hands. So we're not, at least we're not the only ones. Um, and we've stayed above them by, by, uh, by them doing the same as us. In that I mean, regard. in the context um, of the results, the other two teams against the top three teams had at the weekend. Yeah. We had a pretty good result against the top three side, frankly, didn't we? I mean, yeah. we, we lost 4-1, the others lost 5-0 and 7-0. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Chelsea obviously being Norwich being that other, the, so, the other I mean, result. Yeah, it was losing by three goals to City is hardly a disaster. What would have been a disaster was what it looked like could happen after 31 minutes, which was, you know, six or seven or something like that at home and a real kind of, yeah. you know, kind of a, a knock to morale. As it happens, I don't think we've come out of it too bad morale-wise. I think probably we'd have, you know, obviously the first one was a bit of a shock. Um, hmm. But hopefully we'll learn from that and not sit on the halfway line with our defence at Anfield on Saturday because if we do, Salah... Mane and Firmino or, or Jota, whoever plays, mm. will tear us apart. Yeah, uh, Salah's on quite good form, isn't he, at the moment? Yeah, mm. he's doing OK, you know. Apparently he wants five <laughs> grand bad. a week, and as, and as crazy as it sounds, I think he's probably worth it, to be honest. <laughs> well, he's playing at the moment, yeah. It sounds, yeah. It's, it's a five-year deal, so it probably would be paying him 500 grand a week after he's worth it, but yeah. to keep him there for now probably is worth it. Yeah. I mean, the idea that a player worth 500, is worth 500 grand a week is crazy, but... Yeah, I mean, those three teams, um, Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea, who, as you said, was 7-0 against Norwich, they're on a different planet. Um, Man United yeah. are deluded if they think they've got any well, chance the gaps of opened featuring up now, whatsoever. Yeah, it's yeah. already after, what, nine games, quarter yeah. of the way or just under a quarter of the way through the season, mathematically speaking. And, yeah, there's, there's a and gap that's going to get bigger as well. Bigger. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So it's not on. like they've yeah. got like games where one of them's going to drop points and yeah. the other people catch up. Yeah, I just yeah. think that's gonna, that gap's going to grow. More and more. Bigger and bigger, yeah. 
because you look at the teams that traditionally would be in just behind them and we'll go into the, we'll do a summary of the rest of the weekend stuff in part two but you know the teams traditionally that will be pushing somewhere there or thereabouts you'd have Tottenham you'd have Leicester Arsenal maybe Everton those sort of teams all of those have underachieved already this season from where a team or a club like that should do um, so already they've they've helped with that gap forming and as you said mm-hmm. the top three have played each other so they, they, they've got the ability now to just really stride away Yeah um, the goal difference is like I think Chelsea are 20 Liverpool 21 and City 16 and the next highest is six at West yeah. Ham <laughs> Yeah who went above us at the weekend after beating Spurs yeah. but um, we, we, I mean Chelsea for reference of zero which considering yeah. we were zero at half time on Saturday was pretty good really Yeah that's true yeah uh, Chelsea we've got, we've got this um, competition predicting um, teams and players to, to score for points, uh, haven't we, Peter? And uh, a couple of mates of ours went for Havertz as the scorer um, for, for the weekend. Um, Chelsea managed to score seven goals. He started the game up front and managed not to score, which I found imminently hilarious. Um, <laughs> but anyway, on that note, we're going to finish the first half. We'll do a, a summary of the rest of the weekend's football results, some other bits of news, um, talking about that banner at Selhurst Park and a quick preview of Leicester all of that coming up in part two so here we are with part two then Peter um just one final point on Man City actually I forgot to mention earlier on we were talking about how this has been um, a bit of a thing where we're getting closer to then we got the result last season. We thought it might be another close one with us being near them in the table this year. Didn't turn out to be. But um, discussions on one of the WhatsApp groups about um, whether, you know, if, you, if you've got some derbies, do we, do we invent a derby name for this one as well? And we came up with the um, A23, M23, M25, M40, M42, M6, A556, M56, A5106, AM57 derby. Uh, trips off the tongue, doesn't it? What do you think? <laughs> I think it's an ideal one, yeah. Yeah, it's just classic, yeah. So maybe that's our food for thought uh, for no more than about half a second. Um, (laughs) Moving swiftly on, though, we talked about the games, some of the games in the um, first part. Chelsea 7, Norwich 0, Man United 0, Liverpool 5, should have been more. um, And obviously our game uh, as well. Um, Just touching on a few of the other results, well, we did briefly mention that West Ham beat um, Spurs as well to go above us in the table. Um, a couple of things didn't stand out. Leeds won, Wolves won, Southampton two, Burnley two. Results which all suit us, I think, because everyone dropping points is quite good. One that probably, and Palace Newcastle as well. We'll get on to that in more detail in a minute. Um, but the other one that stood out was, again, another high scorer. Everton two, Watford five, which in itself is mad enough. But um, the fact that um, Everton took the lead in this game after just three minutes as well. And then Josh King, of all people, uh, came back with a hat-trick at ver- with goals at various points during the match. Um, I think they went into a... Sorry, they went back behind, didn't they, I think? Yeah, they were 2-1 two two down one. with 15 two minutes down, left, yeah. yeah, and then ended yeah, up with a 5-2. King two. had a rather unsuccessful spell at Everton last year as well. So, yes, uh, that's right, yeah. Um, I don't think he scored three goals in that whole time. So. No. I mean, he's up there with, you know, he's only scored one goal less than quite a few significant names now. Uh, Premier League familiar names. Yeah, well, at this stage of the season, normally like a hat-trick will help that. I mean, it's... Of course, yeah. But I really, I mean, who would have called that, him scoring a hat-trick? And Watford winning by three clear goals, having lost yeah, the league I mean, tw- uh, twice. only had the 12 goals for and against in total in his first <laughs> yeah. few games. So it's going to be boring, I reckon, live at the watching. It's never dull with the tinker man, is it? 
<laughs> um, what for the funny fish, aren't they? It's hard to predict. I mean, we, we still think they're going to struggle come the end of the season. But, you know, results like that, if they can keep pulling that yeah, off. Yeah, they keep picking up the, the odd win, especially away from home. And, yeah. you know, can, I mean, can... goals is everything, isn't it, for survival in that, that sense? Yeah. You have, that just if, cuts if, you I above mean, the rest. If, if the general belief is that Newcastle probably will be OK, and I think... I think probably they will be just about in the end because if they spend well enough and get the right, right managerial appointment. And then if Watford were to pull away and Brentford carrying the way they are, there's someone, assuming Burnley, who obviously is, I mean, if they've been really quite a long time themselves go down and Norwich go down, there's someone else who's going to get pulled into it. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting mm. to see who, I mean, obviously on paper, it could clearly still be us because we haven't got 35, 40 points yet. Um, obviously, mm. we've got less chance than other teams who are right down there at the moment, so Lampton, Leeds, Palace, you know, so it could be some, any of those really, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, other results, by the way, the weekend, Arsenal beat Villa 3-1 uh, comfortable, they were 3-0 up until late on anyway, 3-1 uh, in the end at the Emirates. Um, there were no games on um, Monday, but on Sunday, um, we've mentioned Man U and West Ham uh, fixtures there, the, the home games there. Uh, Brentford also at home to Leicester, which I think in the long run is probably not a good result for us. But in the short term, it is because it stopped Brentford potentially going ahead of us if they won. Um, it finished Brentford 1, Leicester 2. Um, once again, Brentford battled back there from one down and made a fight of it. Tielemans and Madison doing the damage. Um, longer term, Leicester are obviously a team that are likely to well, there's a good chance they'll overtake us, which will be a, a shame. But um, we'll, we'll see how it goes over time. The other game we've got to talk about, though, is Crystal Palace-Newcastle back on the Saturday. So the game ended one all. Benteke scoring again. I don't know what's going on. 56 minutes. Um, Wilson, who's back from another injury a couple of games ago, um, equalising in the 65th minute. And that's how it stayed. A good result from our point of view, I guess, because yeah, um, it, it, I was again, impressed that Palace dropping points. got bored with 95th minute equalisers and found a new way not to win by having a late goal to out by VAR. <laughs> so that was the end Yeah, that was good, itself. yeah. That was good. Plus, of course, they conceded a lead again in general, which is nice and satisfying. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny how it's a lot of. T- I've seen bits of talk on like kind of quotes from or Palace fans that sort of thing, and that they're saying exactly the same things that we said about Potter initially, hmm. but that they were saying was wrong, and points are all that matter. So it's like, well, surely if only points <laughs> mattered then, they they still matter now. I mean, simple fact. And you're still struggling, boys. Season, that's 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 the fact. You know, whether or not they've been unlucky or they've done this and they've done that. They've won one game all season. Yeah, and nine points from nine games is, yes, it's usually a formula for um, just about success. Yeah, uh, or and, and they've, had, they've had some tough games, no question about that. But they also mm. haven't beaten Newcastle at home, they haven't beaten us at home. Brentford you know, at home. Hmm? Brentford at home, although that Brentford looks at a, home, yeah. a, a decent um, so, result over. You know, hmm. For all the fact they've had some tough, especially away games, they've also, you know, and the basic only win was because Tottenham were appalling and... Also, mm. and they weren't even ahead until when I was ten men. So you know, and Watford have been seen as strugglers, and they just with that one result, they're now above Palace on ten points. Yeah. And as you said, if you've got five teams below Palace, one of which is Norwich on two points from nine, they're going to go. There's no doubt about that. After that, unfortunately, from a Brighton point of view, if you want Palace to go down, you've got Newcastle on four, Burnley on four, so they're they're both a solid five points behind Palace, and in fact, probably an inferior goal difference that wouldn't be called back as well. But um, if one of those two was able to pick up, you've then got Leeds, who are only two behind yeah. Palace, and, and Saints are only one behind Palace. Um, if one of those bottom three picks up, yeah, they could be in trouble still. Yeah. And, um, I mean, this is where Newcastle actually have a bit of an issue, because if they, 
who's going to want to manage them in this situation? The irony is, I was, I was saying something the other day, I think, I actually think they should have kept Bruce till Christmas if the fans had let them. You know, they're talking about like Paolo Fonseca, who's got no experience of English football, although maybe not now. There's this debate about whether he'd be the option. Does he, do you really want him coming in to take over a squad that's got no different players? He's never managed in England before. I would have said Steve Bruce would have been probably the best option till Christmas if they got behind him to grind results out with then the understanding mm. that he left in January when whether Bruce would take that, the fans obviously wouldn't be very happy. But, you know, mm. in a way, he'd be a far better option for that than, you know, or someone like Allardyce, than, than you know, someone, yeah. an expensive foreign manager who comes in. Yeah, you look at... Um, the, Graham Jones is taken over temporarily. I mean, I don't really know what, what his credentials are, to be perfectly honest. And, I mean, he's ground out a, a reasonably OK-ish draw I suppose, on paper, certainly for them at the moment, it's a reasonable draw. But that's not really getting them anywhere. They're still no. five points behind that team, who is one of the teams they'd be looking to drag in if they're going to come out. Um, the other teams, as you said, Southampton, Leeds, Burnley all got draws. So they've gained nothing from that result. Yeah, it feels um, quite late hmm. in the season. Nine games into the season with the bottom three have not won a game between them. That's yeah, unusual. You're five points away from the point per game target. Yeah. Five points is not. I mean, I think that's mythical these days, isn't it? I mean, point a game keeps you up quite comfortably these days. I think, doesn't it? It does. I mean, again, looking at this, but if you've got teams on two from nine, four from nine, four from nine, that that looks like it's going to be a very low total if it stays with those three teams. But yeah, who knows what it'll be? But I I think you're going to be looking at. You've got to be getting over thirty-five points um, to have any kind of sensible feeling of uh, potential. For Norwich, that's already a massive ask. Yeah, I mean, for them, it's it's looking daunting, isn't it? They've already dropped points in games that they they've drawn with Burnley and they've um, they've lost to Watford. Um, I can't remember if they've played any of the other teams down there, but um, you know the games they have played haven't haven't gone particularly well, have they? Um, I'm just kind of embarrassed that we've got a point that uh, they've got a point, sorry, from from the game with us. But uh, anyway, that's the um, that's that's that. In terms of um, the going back to the weekend games. Um, not really anything to speak of Brighton-wise in particular, is there, from the weekend's games, um, except well, we mentioned Blackburn-Reading. Blackburn won 2-0. Um, one of our guys on loan, of course, Van Hecker. Tell us about that, Peter, because there was an interesting moment there. Yeah, he um, Van Hecker played pretty much his first, I think, minutes for them, having been injured, I think. Um, and, yeah, did very well in fact. So, he... Uh, he he, well, he apparently played well generally, but he was involved in a really good... He broke from one end of the pitch to the other. It was a really good break. And uh, then missed a really... Op- not an open goal, but a really good chance. Having... Uh, hmm. having yeah, had a, So, uh, obviously, going to would have fitted in quite well. Uh, as Albion, yeah. based on that. Yeah. It looks like um, he came on as a 39th-minute substitute, which is yeah. interesting. An I don't know if that's an injury. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an injury, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... Cadra was an unused substitute, which is a little bit disappointing, but there we go. Um, yeah, there's not much more to say on that one. Um, one of, sorry, go on. I was going to say, should we, move, we could move into the Isthmian Premier League, where there's some uh, interesting results well, involving the top can do. I was just going to mention, actually, that um, Mick McCarthy's lost his job as well. Cardiff oh, yeah. lost 2-0 at home to Borough. Eight games in a row they've lost. I think that includes the League Cup match we played against them, I'm guessing. Um, eight games in all competitions in a row. That's No, no one's going to survive that, really, are they? So, so the the old um, the eagle is off, um, so to speak. But yes, the Ismian League, Peter, and we've we've done um, some um, Sussex non-league specials with Worthing 
a couple of times in Southwick on one occasion. We hope to do Lewis at some point as well. And it's a bit of a Sussex derby between two of those teams, Worthing and Lewis, wasn't there at the weekend? Um, Worthing's good run after one bad result somewhere early on has continued, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And it was a, an interesting game as well. Um, it ended 5-4, which doesn't really tell the whole story because Lewis were two up, were two up in 12 minutes and then Worthing yeah. were 5-2 up after 71 minutes. So it was a uh, looking at the scoring. So it was obviously an interesting game. But it wasn't the standout result in that division at the weekend because uh, your local team, Enfield Town, went to East Surrock, who Enfield are currently top, and East Surrock are, are not doing great. They're in the bottom, bottom three or four. Um, and they uh, and Enfield won 8-0, having been 7-0 up at half-time, and 8-0 up after 55 minutes. So uh, well, That's misery, isn't it, if you're East, an East Thurrock fan? There was also a 5-1 win for uh, for Folkestone and Victor against Kingstonia, and a 4-0 win for Chesham. So, obviously, a lot of goals around that division. Yeah, I think Chesham actually is very local to me as well. It's only just a, a very, very short distance up the A10 from Enfield. That's a very local kind of derby well, when fair. those guys play. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But they, and they're fairly new to the division. That's quite, yeah. They're quite a good team, actually. They're, and they're, fifth, they're level with um, Folkestone, but they play four more games than them, as is the yeah, way in those sorts of levels yeah. at this stage of the season. Folkestone, have, I think, technically, the division's in their hands at the moment because of their game is, in hand. Yeah. Enfield are the only team nine playing. and have got 21 yeah. points. Kingstonia played 12 and got 22. Worthing have played 11 with 25 points and Enfield have played yeah. 12 and got 26 points, so... Yeah, and Lewis are considered another team, actually, speaking from yeah, the Sussex angle, who are, are looking good this season. They've, and Bogner are I mean, sixth as well, so Sussex are doing pretty well in that division. Yeah, it is. It's good to see. Um, Wingate Lewis, and I know... My, my former local team are down in, uh, in 14th, thirdly. Wingate and Finchley, yeah. 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 Horsham are yeah. 21st out of 22. Yeah, yeah. But, um, they, but they're in the cup. They're on the cup run. They are, um, yeah. Well, for now, <laughs> anyway. long run. <laughs> yeah, that's and, a very and long run. They're going this next round. <laughs> Yeah, I went on the wording forum and had a look and, um, and they were saying how they, they think Lewis is going to be one of the contenders in, in there or thereabouts for this season's um, Isbin League Prem uh, so what, playoff and possible title challenge. Um, the scorers, by the way, uh, for Worthing, two from Pierce, two from Golding and one from Pattenden. And for Lewis, two from Taylor, one from Weir, I think that's pronounced, and one from Tanner. So uh, quite an eventful game. And apparently it's always eventful. And they said in the preview, before the game on their match day thread, oh, there's usually lots of goals and lots of incident. I think, blimmin' hell. <laughs> Wish I'd gone to that game before the um, the City game. I could have feasibly gone to it, but I wouldn't have been able to stay to the end or or get to the Albion game on time. So it's a bit of a shame if it was a, an earlier looking, kickoff. Looking at the list now, there's been 48 goals in their 11 games this season. <laughs> Magnificent. Um, well, there we go. Um, so, Peter, I think... Um, there's only one or two other bits to talk about. I mean, just get, just wheeling it back to the um, uh, the game for the weekend at Selhurst. Obviously, we mentioned the, the match and the connotations, all that stuff. But there was a certain incident that occurred, wasn't there, which has caused a lot of controversy. Um, essentially, I think it's pretty much the first game since, well, thereabouts, isn't it, since the um, since the takeover was ratified by yeah, the Premier maybe League. Yeah, Probably the first away yeah. game for Newcastle. First away game, yeah. That's right, yeah, because they had the home game, didn't they? Um, where they got beaten by Spurs. So yeah. um, Palace, of course, being um, the, um, the team with ultras in the Holmesdale ends, the Holmesdale fanatics, um, decided to erect the latest of their banners. This one depicting a Saudi guy in traditional attire with PIF written on the front of his uh, top, brandishing a bloodied sword. Um, in the background, you've, we've got the wording presumably depicting the Newcastle fans saying, we've got our, uh, we've got our club back. 
and then there's a um, a Premier League. There's, there's a um, yeah, there's a Premier League image of um, of Richard Masters standing by a bag of money with Arabic writing on it, and in between the two figures is a list that is written up as owners test, and it's got a checklist: terrorism tick, beheadings tick, civil rights abuses tick, uh, murder tick, censorship tick, and persecution tick. Pretty um, uncompromising message. Um, my personal view on this is fair play to them. I think uh, there's not many times I'm going to ever praise Palace, particularly the Homestead fanatics, because um, I think there's a lot of overblown children there sometimes making a fuss over nothing. Um, but anyway, but on this particular issue, um, fair play to them. Um, it did cause a fuss, though, didn't it, Peter? So firstly, what's your opinion on it? And um, and, and sort of describe what's, um, what's happened afterwards yeah, in terms so of a complaint. Someone re- reported it to Metropolitan Police, apparently, which... Yeah, it's pathetic, really. I mean, it clearly isn't racist. It's anti uh, a tyrannical regime who treat their citizens like appallingly and, you know, attack anyone who is, you know, attack women's rights, um, a, a, yeah, a, a homophobic, uh, pretty much have everything wrong with them that they can. You know, it's kind of like their yeah. behaviour is appalling. And anyone who, who sits there, and it, there's all these Newcastle, sanctimonious Newcastle fans saying, you know, kind of, oh, well, you're just jealous and that sort of thing. And it, it's, just, it's genuinely not true, actually. I've, I said earlier, I'd say with City, I don't want my team to just buy success by throwing money at it with and being the most you know, expensive. I actually want, like, local local players to come through, develop a youth system, yeah. that sort of thing, you know, rather than just throwing money at the most expensive players that come through. T- to me, I mean, yeah, it was it, it expressed a lot of views that I think a lot of people have. And just because you disagree with the Saudi regime doesn't mean you're jealous of Newcastle, which seems to be the, the genuine yeah. theme of their rather unpleasant I mean, fans. That's their easy get out, isn't it? They say, oh, you're just jealous. And, you know, we we and Mike Ashley, we wanted to get rid of him. And I think, OK, fine. Of course, you want to get rid of him and well done for getting rid of him in that sense. But the fact of the matter is they're running around with um, Saudi headdresses on uh, or mock-ups of Saudi headdresses. Yeah. Um, that's celebrating who the owners are as well as yeah. the takeover. There must being be away some from Newcastle fans out there who are... Really yeah. un- un- unsettled, or have actually stopped supporting the club and gone somewhere else. And fair play to them, might, you know, mm. you know, by this whole thing. But the, yeah, the gloating and the kind of, and they haven't even done the thing yet. They're bottom three in the Premier League currently, and they're already gloating. So what the hell they'll be like if they actually win things under their reach, under their? I suspect their, it's like, going to become intolerable, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, in terms of being pretty intolerable anyway, considering they win nothing for like fifty years. Yeah. So if they actually start winning things. So in terms of the, the in terms of the banner, you're obviously fully in favour of the banner and applaud. I, I think there should be a, a protest at every single club that <laughs> yeah. faces Newcastle this season, home and away. Yeah. There should be some sort of protest. The, yeah, the, all this bollocks the Premier League seems to have well not bought into. They've been kind of surely given some reason to be buy into, but yeah, all this bollocks about how Piff isn't the Saudi, uh, you know, prince and that sort of thing is complete crap. I mean, clearly he owns eighty percent of Piff. How on earth can that not be him? It's uh, the fact yeah, that the, I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's delusional of anybody who's either trying to convince others of any alternative or themselves if they're trying to, to convince yeah. people that they're not involved. Um, Mohammed bin Salman is clearly involved in it. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And there, and there, that just that just rests the story. Yeah. In terms of um, the protest, yes, I think they will carry on. I'm thinking again an Amnesty International flag, so I think that that'll be my little bit. Um, there is talk of um, Brighton fans trying to get hold of or have handed over to them from Palace the same banner to to bring to the Albion. I, I, while I would 100% be in favour of that, 
I suspect that the club won't be. <laughs> and I suspect yeah. even if they were, uh, well, not if, even if they were, but if they weren't particularly adamant against it, um, it's going to be difficult to bring in a, a big banner because we've, we're pretty strict with these fire regulations and what you can bring in. You can't bring something in of that size Certainly without it being very, very obvious. bags allowed in the ground. Yeah, exactly. So I, they, we'd have to get special permission to do it. I personally don't think we the no, club, I don't think they will, club yeah. will because they'll be looking to avoid um, treading on toes really at this stage, I think. They can make a, a general statement, but I don't think they want something quite so in your face, shall we say? Which I was, I was applauding, um, but I think yeah. we. Well, I think the only, only possible with... exception would be if the um, if the owners and the, the chair, the chief, the chief executive, tried to bring in a water bottle with a lid on, and then they'd be all over <laughs> it, <laughs> or, or a backpack slightly too big that was not supposed to be allowed in, <laughs> and then and then Paul Barber would be really in favour of chucking them out. And, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Can't be doing with that. <laughs> um, it's sort of important quite... things you want to kick out of, uh, yeah. kick out of I mean, no one fans with uh, backpacks slightly bigger than you can, you're allowed. You, you mentioned that, that there was some sort of talk of racism on this in relation to this banner, and that seems to have been there seems to have been some sort of suggestion that that was part of the complaint made. I'm wondering who this is. I mean, could it yeah, be I mean, it's clarified. I met have cleared them, they cleared it, and said it's nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, so investigated. It, it, it was clearly an attack on the Saudi regime. It was not an attack. On in any any sort of racist sense from like that to me, it no. was clearly a, a judgment of a regime who murders its own citizens, murders yeah. murders journalists outside the Turkish embassy. You know, kind yeah. of happily kills kills people who don't who you know kind of argue with their tyrannical rule. It it is that's it. You know, yeah, it's, it's nothing to do with racism or anything like that at all. Yeah, it's just a. It's a complete complaint against murderous despots getting involved with sports washing their way into yeah. the English game. And, and then their, their the defense seems to be that we had we had Saudi adverts for the Saudi Grand Prix on our on our advertising hoardings on Saturday. It's like they're Premier League adverts. We have no choice but to put them up there. Now, yes, exactly. obviously I, I don't like the fact the Premier League have adverts from certain places mm. that you know probably shouldn't be, but and 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 our, does it and it obviously helped aiding sports washing by doing that as well. But we don't have a choice as a Premier League club for doing it. Every Premier League club has those adverts. It's like yeah. That is just like that's, and it's a big difference between putting that on an advertising hoarding around the ground as compared to, you know, being owned by, by you know, by the yeah. regime basically. And I think um, somebody's made a point about ethical companies, Starbucks, Uber. There was, there was a discussion on a, one of the podcasts somewhere, saying you know there's there's a reason you could have an objection with so many owners and companies and this that and the other. But I do think, and I agree with what was said by that person that there's a there's a distinction between that and. And a football club, because I think a football club has a lot more to it than just being a company. We go back to this thing about customers. Uh, they're not customers, they're fans. From a business point of view, they're customers. But in essence, um, the whole point of that football club exists and continues to thrive is because of the fans. Yeah. Fans, not customers. And there is a difference. There is a distinction between football clubs and other companies. You can choose to go with that company or not, but you can't choose your football team. If you've got an affiliation with Newcastle and you've got an issue with the Saudi government, what are you supposed to do? You, you know, you can't yeah. just change clubs. Well, exactly. You can refuse to go, um, but like, you know, you you can't yeah. just change clubs and go. Okay, that's fine. I'll be a you know. Some you can imagine the um, Newcastle fans going and protesting outside, um, you know, um, <laughs> someone's house, like like we yeah. did with Archer and Stanley and that sort of thing. I don't think they'd be yeah. given very uh, very yeah. short trip. Yeah, I, th- I think my other other thing, and I think that's what it reflected in the Palace banner was this whole idea of like we've got our club back. No, you haven't. Mm. It's far further away than it was before. Before you were, you were jointly protesting against a, you know, an owner who didn't like 
to be fair, not hugely. Newcastle haven't protested loads, I don't think, compared to like a lot of clubs. You know, I they've been pretty lazy, frankly, in some of the protests. They've not, you know, they've attended games booed a bit, but they've not really done an awful lot to push actually out like, you know, some clubs have with their owners. Yeah, and I mean, what have they got? I mean, they've they've got admittedly an owner they didn't like. You know, he was there for 14 years. He didn't progress the club on, and they are a big club looking to get towards trophies. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, he's done nothing overwhelmingly objectionable to do with the club itself, apart from making decisions that they didn't like. But but he's run the club. club, They haven't won anything since major trophies since the 1960s. What, Just in terms uh, I know of people fans. say about their fans and that sort of thing. And, the fans but, I, mean, is what I, I remember a time when I started watching, they were getting like 6,000 fans in the second division. You know, yeah. it's like there's a lot of fans who've, you know, relatively jolly come lately who seem to think that they're, they're some sort of God given right to win trophies. And they've, they've got, since the 60s. whether they like him or not, they've got a Geordie that was managing them. And during yeah. that time, 10,000 fans stayed away, supposedly as a protest against Ashley. Um, because of his way of running the club. But ultimately, they, they, they were treading water. Yes, that's not what they want, but they're treading water. Clubs have had a lot worse to deal with than this. And, you know, what? as, as a moral individual, who is he? Well, he's not a Geordie. He's a businessman with, shall we say, questionable morals as far as contracts for employees, the way of dealing with things, the way he slaps advertising for his company on the, on the club, all over the club. He's obviously got an alternative agenda involved. Well, that's not really much good, is it, compared with the Saudis in charge yeah. now? Yes, I'm Matt sure. Matt looks like an angel compared to them, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, and maybe there's some other bits I've missed out, but I'm sure there's bits to do with Saudi we've missed out as well, if we're going to get into that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm in favour of the banner. Um, the, the complaint that there was the illusion of racism, I don't know if it's to do with the fact that there was a caricatured image of a Saudi guy, but there was also a caricatured image of Richard Masters. Um, so it's also racist against white people if it's racist against Saudis. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was just stating facts as ratified by UN. I don't know what else. Yeah, that was that um, was one of the things someone commented. It's like, are they going to arrest? Are they going to investigate the UN as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and well, the other, the yeah, other I mean, thing that um, the other thing we, they didn't specifically mention is um, is going against international law and executing under and kids who are under eighteen when they were um, they committed their alleged crimes. That's another lovely um, one that the Saudi Empire emphasised. Charming. Yeah. Yeah, they're a lovely bunch. What? Final bit on Newcastle. I mean, I was listening to a pod and there's a guy, I didn't catch his surname, it's Chris somebody who's a journalist. I think I think he's a Newcastle fan, but he writes on the North East. And he was suggesting that um, Newcastle is going to be a slow build and all that stuff, but he thinks that they are going to survive this year. OK, he might be right, he might not be, um, but he seemed quite confident of that. But he also um, made the assertion that there were six clubs in this division. He didn't say who, but he said six clubs who have weaker squads than Newcastle, which I find interesting because look at the table. Chelsea yeah, so I've just loaded the table for the same reason, yeah. Yeah, Man City, West Ham, Brighton, Spurs, Man United for all their sins, Everton, Leicester, Arsenal. Like That's that's the top 10. I, don't, I think there's no doubt whatsoever all of those clubs, ours included, and I say this not just because I'm an Albion fan, have a better squad than Newcastle. But I really don't think... What, what, what strengths do Newcastle have, barring Wilson and Sam Maximan? Yeah. What I other... mean, you look at Wolves, I'd rather... I'd, You've got Adama Traore, you've got uh, Raul Jimenez, you've got a solid Neves. back line, you've got England international Connor Cody, of course, as well. Um, who is better than Lascelles, isn't he, to be fair? Ruben Neves, yeah. who's one of the best Ruben in the Premier League. Great players. I, Brentford, 12th place. I'd definitely take 
their squad. I know it's to do with the dynamic with the manager as well, but I actually prefer their squad. I think Tony's as good as Wilson is, in my opinion. Um, they've got a really solid back line, some good midfielders, some good creative talent. Um, I, th- I think they've just been broader over the over the squad. I think they're probably a better squad, to be honest, than Newcastle. They would probably, that's one of the ones they'd probably contend, but I, I disagree with that. Aston Villa definitely got a better squad than them. Yeah. Then we come into the bottom seven. So we've <laughs> Newcastle obviously being one of them. So if you do go with Brentford as a better squad, we've got to be talking about one of these other six. So Watford Palace, Southampton Leeds, Burnley and Norwich. Well, OK, Norwich's squad admittedly is yeah. not as good as Newcastle's. That's a given. Burnley, in terms of quality of individual players, might be arguable. In terms of team ethics, I think they're better, but, but maybe in terms of squad not. Because Burnley got a much better defence, for example, on paper. Yeah. So, I mean, they'd take Tarkovsky, wouldn't they? You know, yeah. that's far better defence. Goalie as well. The goalies, in fact, in plural, yeah. um, are better. Um, um, and they've got solid strikers. Uh, Wood, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, um, it, it would be, I I would say they're pretty even and they're pretty even in the league table. I mean, they're, they're yeah. one goal apart. So, yeah. I mean, I, I would got, say that they're... Then you've got Leeds. They've got a reasonably good goalie. You've got, you've got um, Calvin Phillips, who's an excellent player. Yeah. And how I, I mean, much I, they miss him when he's out. Leeds are far and better, you've got Rafinha. Yeah. yeah, you've got Leeds Banford. Leeds are far better on paper. Not yeah. even close. Banford's as good as Wilson, isn't he, nowadays? Yeah. Um, so what, what do you say? You know, I, I don't think there's, They've there's got any like Koch comparison. and, um, and uh, mm. Lorente at the back as well, who are better than yeah. Newcastle's got when they're fit. Yeah. As much as it pains me to say, I think, I think Palace have got a better squad. They've invested in some, on, on paper in some good young players there. Alisi looks good. Edward will wait and see. Um, but they've yeah. got, yeah, even like Ben Tech. when he comes probably back. probably get Newcastle's team, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah that's a, that's that's a good got, player. Newcastle have got the Palace haven't is that goal scorer in Wilson. That's yeah. the only thing oh, they've got. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And Watford, okay, Watford squad, I don't think is great actually. I mean, they're, they're one that probably would could be argued below. But I mean, it's for Newcastle to assume, a, a journalist to assume that they're better than six of those clubs, yeah. I would definitely contest on two or three of those at least. Um, and that's what they've got now. And that's assuming Wilson stays fit. And of course, yeah. he's got a reputation that's, more that's, than most. That's does the maximum as well, which is their problem. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, to me, I think they, they are in the bottom three or four. They were dreadful twice when we saw them last season. I mean, they were they were probably yeah. the worst two teams we played last season in the sense of across the two games. You know, the, yeah. the first one, we were all over them from the first minute. The second one, they held on till half time almost, at least. But I mean, both games, they fell apart. And I mean, the fact they finished above us last year was a travesty, frankly. Um, oh. And actually, quite a few points above us as well. I don't, they, they just fluke quite a few 1 0s that they're not doing this season. Um, mm. But yeah, the problem for them is that they don't get a manager disappointment, right? They could be out of sight by the time January comes. And then what? They're only going to attract the wrong sort of player, really, the mercenary who probably won't be up for a relegation battle. You know, yeah. so it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I, I've, I've heard reports, and I don't think it's going to be true. I can't see it being true because someone will break ranks. But there are rumours that the Premier League clubs are agreeing that they're not going to sell to Newcastle, which would be hilarious. Because then they just keep bringing <laughs> a load of expensive foreign imports into a relegation battle, and probably the worst sort as well, because they, they'll be the, the mercenaries. mercenaries. Because they won't, you know, no really quality player who wants to win things will go somewhere they've got to wait probably three or four years and could yet go down this season yeah. to do it. So yeah. they'll end up with either really big gambles or, you know, and I mean, obviously, they've already got a £40 million gamble up front they can play. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm just like rumoured around they can spend, gets you almost five Joe Lintons. Mm. That's a. Uh, Okay, well, moving on. Moving on to our final subject, then. <laughs> oh God, really, <laughs> Joel Linton? Um, oh, well, he's, he's of course, yeah, forty million. So that's a good, 
remember that. So, yeah, if 190 yeah. million buys you almost five of him. <laughs> right, moving swiftly on to our final subject, I think it is anyway, the EFL Cup, the um, Football League, uh, League Cup. Um, three games are taking place tonight as we speak, Tuesday, which is Arsenal v Leeds, Chelsea v Southampton, and a, um, a rare all non-Premier League game, QPR against Sunderland, which is interesting. Those games are taking place tonight as we record. The other five, um, looking for a place in the quarterfinal, are tomorrow, which is Wednesday, uh, Burnley versus Spurs, um, Preston, another of the teams outside the Premier League, at home to Liverpool in probably the most attractive fixture because it's a bit more of a giant kill scenario there. Stoke against Brentford, I suppose you could say the same now. And West Ham Man City, so a lot of Premier League interested in there. Apart from, of course, the other game, which is our boys and Albion playing away at Leicester. All these games kick off at 7.45 tomorrow. Um, I mean, as you said, in a sense, it's a bigger game because we've got the chance to get to a very rare quarterfinal in the League Cup, which is, you know, I can't remember that happening, actually, before. Um, I don't know if it's... No, we will say it might not have ever happened, actually. Yeah, I'm not sure if it has. Yeah. Once did, but my dad was yeah, saying I think you might be we right. never have done, so... Yeah, so a long time ago if it's ever happened. So in a sense, um, it feels like, you know, you really want to go further in this tournament just for a change. I wouldn't say it looks easy because so many Premier League clubs have survived actually much more than normal, I would say, by this stage. Um, having said that, if of course, you don't want to write anyone off, you'd, you'd want to go through and get a home tie against QPR or Sunderland, probably, wouldn't you? That's or, what everyone would be aiming for in the... Or yeah. Preston. Well, yeah, Stoke, Preston could be Liverpool. Or Preston have got <laughs> yeah, bigger clubs, though, so they could well be out. Yeah, that's true. One yeah. of QPR yeah. or Sunderland would be... And I'm not saying yeah, that would be QPR or Sunderland home would be a guaranteed win, but on paper, that would be the, the fixture, you, you know, either Brighton or Leicester would want to get if they got through. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, I mean, for our part, we've got Leicester away. It's on the Wednesday night. Um, in terms of the game, we've already talked about what we think might happen in terms of uh, squad. In terms of what we haven't mentioned on that regard, it's, it's going to be about which players filter in from the academy, I guess. Taylor Richards is one obvious name that might crop up. Um, obviously, you've got from the back line, Hayden Roberts and Sungi, if he's available, might be. Uh, you might possibly have Ed Turns, who appeared in previous rounds. Um, I guess we'll rotate goalies as well. Sami Ento, yeah, who's looking a great prospect. From what I've seen of him in 23s once or twice on uh, on the uh, YouTube channel, um, he's looking pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, 20 minutes still... against Fonzie, I think, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would like to see some of those players get a run. I do think maybe McAllister gets involvement here, possibly Lamptey for, for half game, as you said, yeah. something like that. Um, and just one or two. Start, according to um, Potter. Who's that, sorry? Webster sounds like he's going to start oh. with the Potter. Oh, that's good, because, of course, he's one of the other key names to bring back into but, yeah, the Yeah, I think the big difference tomorrow is, and, I mean, the good mm. news for anyone listening is that apparently Vardy's out. The bad news oh, right. is that Patson Dakar is on crazy form in it's on the fire, isn't he? Um, he got all four so, goals in the Europa League game. Yeah, the other and he day. got one. He got a couple in the League Cup, I think, last round. Or was it maybe another, maybe it's another Europa League game? But he looks on on fire, and yeah, I mean that's I think going to be the difference tomorrow. We're going to be playing Connolly and maybe Lacardia from the start, but they'll be playing um, Dakar and maybe Ian Acho for a bit as well. You know, it's that's the difference yeah. what you get when you've been in Europe a bit and you've and you've invested more money and you've got that sort of area. You know, it's. It'll be interesting to see, though, hopefully, obviously I'm not going, but to hear about how Wepu does as well. After Hopefully he got yeah. a bit of confidence from his performance at the, at the weekend. So, um, yeah. Of course, a compatriot of Dakar's. Um, yeah. I've got somebody Zambian I know said Dakar is a very classic um, name, and Wepu said is distinctly Zambian, but probably more regional, whatever that means. But um, nonetheless, the important point is 
Um, we've got our man. We, it would have been nice to have got Dakar as well, wouldn't it? Seeing as how he's doing now. But I guess if Leicester were in for him, Leicester were in for him. Um, if it was a summer purchase, we wouldn't have probably beaten them to um, to his no. signing. But well, um, you know, Wepo, yeah. Is you know obviously they've got a quicker route into the team with us because obviously he's had to wait behind Vardy and Ianacho. Um yeah. But it looks like he's already paying off for him because he scored some yeah pretty good goals in Europe and that is the advantage of course the Europa League's often not dismissed but kind of seen as a bit of a pain by a lot of teams in terms of like the number of games there. But actually for someone yeah. like him trying to trying to adapt to the new team playing in European games where he's probably more used to the style actually will help him get into a team. So yeah, I hope he has a quiet night tomorrow. But it, yeah, he looks pretty dangerous. Yeah, so it will be good to see. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm not predicting a win. I do think that Leicester will probably have too much for us. I'm going to go for a, a, a solid, boring defeat kind of score from a Brian point of view, a 2-0, fairly comfortable 2-0 win for them. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, I almost got the Man City one right. I said 3-1, I think, to, um, yeah. to City. Yeah, we both um, did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think possibly the same on the Liverpool game. But this one, yeah, Leicester game, I think it'll be 2-0, unfortunately. But I hope I'm wrong. You never know as well. And I'd certainly be delighted if we do get through. Well, Leicester have not Liverpool. been on great form this season. Um, no, they're still below us, even though they won at Brentford at the so, weekend. You know, but I think I think in a first-team versus first-team game, as we had obviously in the season, I think we had more chance. But I think we, with the injuries we've got, it's not even a second team. It's a, probably be a a second and a bit team as well, where it was, they'll be there. And, and I think they've had a few injuries as well. So that might, there might be, the defence might be quite new. But yeah, when they've got a player like Daka they can bring in and onto the attacking players they can bring in, they've got quality on, on the ball up there. And we've got, frankly, Connolly and Licardi don't really compare. We don't want to be unkind. Mm, yes. <laughs> Not quite, I'm afraid. And so barring a surprise, I think that's the way that's going to go. We'll, we'll see. We could be pleasantly surprised. Um, in the meantime, I think that pretty much summed it up. The only other couple of bits to mention was um, a couple of the players. I know um, Stoke um, have got Ostergaard and Simmer on loan, by the way. Uh, I don't know if either of those have been involved Simmer's against been injured, Brentford, but Simmer's been injured, hasn't he? Yeah, he which I didn't realise until recently. Like next hmm. week or so, I think he's due back. Yeah, a bit frustrating. I want to see how he does, because I think they were impressed with him early doors, and then he got the injury pretty yeah. soon after. Um, Ostergaard, I don't know what the situation is there, because he hasn't yeah, been it's a bit, yeah, the games, it's, has it's he? He's so well at Coventry, had a good start at Stoke, and then for some reason, he's hmm. dropped out a bit. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you'll feature against Brentford tomorrow night, um, but uh, it would be nice to get them more game time. That is the point, yeah. isn't it, really, of it? The carry um, has got a goal at the weekend again for Augsburg, I think. Oh, yes, yeah. Any more sensational bits of action from Natoma? Uh, they they went top that. and he won a penalty, apparently. So they went okay. further, clear at the top, whatever, winning 3-2 away from home. So Not bad. There are rumours, though, a suggestion that it's been said that we might be looking at whether we can, he can qualify for a permit in January, which... That would be great, because I think, in a sense, that could possibly solve a problem. I do think we need a striker, but if we haven't got a striker, a wider attacker, which is what he basically is, or a winger, if you want to call it that, um, might solve the problems, in a sense, because it would it would allow greater flexibility amongst the, the well, forward options. It was interesting, someone's there was a comment was made at the weekend that Mopé also was taken off, which I think was just a, it's 3-0, do not get an injury or a sending off when you're 3-0 yeah. down when you're our main striker. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't Connolly brought on, it was... You know, there was yes. a, it was a, a front three of Trossard, McAllister probably, and uh, and um, March. So or front two of the two of those and March kind of close by. So it was interesting that that happened. You know that that he was obviously happy to to move players around and rather go that option rather than kind of like you know kind of. Yeah. And I think completely take right take off Mope. I mean, why risk your one fit 
quality striker, you know, kind of. Uh, but it was interesting he didn't bring Connolly on. That was the... Uh, and he didn't against mm. Norwich either, where I thought actually he might... I think we said last week, he might have been... It might have been his ideal game against the team who aren't that big, aren't that strong, but don't have that much pace at the back as well. And we're pushing mm. forward for the win. You'd have thought Connolly might have been the ideal player, but... Yeah. Jesse's maybe a bit yeah. down the picking order at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it speaks volumes, doesn't it, that Connolly didn't come on for that because, you know, it would have... You'd be looking for him to get game time at the very least, wouldn't you, if he was... Uh, being considered, yeah. There we go. Um, okay, that that pretty much wraps it up. Billy the Bee, by the way, the Brentford fan. Um, I've just seen a tweet from him saying, "Truly honoured to have been named on the at Footy Blacklist 2021," which I'm assuming doesn't mean that he's going to be banned from loads of stuff. <laughs> I'm assuming it's something else. Um, alongside a list of truly inspirational people, he says, "Really chuffed, a lovely surprise." So I'm presuming this is um sort of black figures within the community, the football world or whatever else, um, who've made a good contribution. That's what I'm guessing that's going to be to do with. But fair play to him. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Okay, good. I think that um, that pretty much wraps it up, doesn't it, Peter? So um, we're going to do a preview later in the week for the, uh, well, it'll be a review of of Leicester, but also a preview of the Liverpool game. And we are going to speak to someone from the club about the women's game. We've got, of course, this big semi-final for the FA Cup. Um, The only the second time ever, I think, that um, Brighton's women's team, under whatever guise it, have been in the semi-final of this competition before. I think the only other time was 1976, I think it was. Um, But we'll be talking to the general manager from Brighton about that um, with a chat on Friday. That episode will be out late in the week. Uh, the game itself is on, I think, at 4.45 at the Emirates. It's an away game, effectively, even though it's a semi-final. Away to Arsenal um, on Sunday, which uh, we should all look forward to. And if anyone can get along to that, recommend they do. I'm, I would like to. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, though, but uh, I'm going to play that one by ear. But um, good luck to the, to the ladies' team. We'll yeah, have a separate episode on that, though. But in the meantime, good luck to the men's team in their game against Leicester. Come on, Seagulls. We can do it. We can do it. Um, Peter, that's it for this one then. So, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.